Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Another great week of NFL football capped off by yesterday's Monday night game. I'm going to react to and get into Seahawks, come back, beat the Eagles. Great win for them. Helped out my Detroit Lions, just saying, but I'm going to be talking about the playoff picture because that was a huge game. Eagles losing opens up the door now for, again, Detroit to get the two seed, Dallas to win the division. Um, Seahawks also now with that win, uh, fighting for that, you know, seventh, sixth spot in the playoffs. That helps them out a ton. Uh, with that win, I thought if they lose last night, it's kind of over for them. They're still much, very much in the thick of things. Then I'm going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Robert Sala, Bills, Cowboys, Ravens, and then got to give you my top 15, top 10 teams of the NFL through 15 weeks in the season. So let's get right into it. Starting with last night's exciting Monday night football game, the Seahawks coming back against the Philadelphia Eagles. Last week, I was leaning uh, towards the Seahawks in this pick, and I stayed with them, even with Drew Locke, even though most people were skeptical. I believe 76% of the uh, public money was on uh, Philadelphia to cover last night when it was minus uh, three and a half for them. Uh, went all the way up to the line, went up to four and a half. Still like Seattle to win the game outright. And they did. Uh, Drew Locke uh, won this game. Uh, you know, not a good start for the Seahawks in this game. Uh, looked like uh, Eagles were really going to control when they had a long drive to start the game off, uh, capped by the Jalen Hurts run. Uh, it was just the typical Philly drive that we're used to seeing. It was great drive, running the football, uh, converting on key third downs, fourth downs, and they were able to get that opening score touchdown, get a field goal, open up to a 10-0 lead, uh, which I thought might be a bit much for them, uh, the Seahawks, to overcome with Drew Locke at quarterback. Um, but they settled for a field goal, end of the first half. So it's 10-3 going into halftime. It's a one-score game. Anything can happen at that point. Seattle gets a ball to start. So what do they do? Drive down the field, get a touchdown uh, with Kenneth Walker. Great one. So it's 10-10 minutes. Like, hey, there we go. Uh, shortly, Jalen Hurts responds uh, with the QB sneak, tush, push, play. They go up 17-10. And then fourth quarter, early field goal by the um, Seahawks. So it's 17-13. And then after this point is where things get, you know, really crazy because uh, Jalen Hurts was playing efficient most of the day. He was dealing with the flu, had flu-like symptoms. And I thought, oh, uh, it's 17-13, still favoring uh, Philadelphia here. So, you know, Philadelphia is driving uh, the football, uh, get a couple first downs right away, and then Jalen Hurts throws a deep ball for Quez Watkins. It's intercepted. Uh, I thought Julian Love made a great play on the ball. So just like that, the Seahawks get the ball back, and you're like, hey, maybe this is a change in momentum. They get, get something done. Then three and out. And I'm like, oh, you squandered an opportunity right there. You give it right back to the Eagles. Uh, but then the Eagles get to the 50-yard line, can't do anything. So what do they do? They have to punt it back to the Seahawks, and there's around a minute and 50 seconds left. One timeout, had to drive 92 yards to get a touchdown uh, in order to have a chance to win this game as the field goal does you nothing. Uh, and Drew Locke absolutely throws great footballs on that 
um, whole drive. DK Metcalf with a great catch. Um, you know, just kind of a juggling catch that he made on uh, James Bradbury. Made another deep catch as well on James Bradbury. Uh, that was around 34 yards on third down. Then another third and 10. Uh, JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Cooks, James Bradbury for the touchdown. So they targeted James Bradbury heavily on that drive. Uh, 2017 then, still have 30 seconds. I believe the Eagles had to uh, drive down the field and get a field goal, tie the game up, go to overtime. They still had three timeouts. So they operate quite a you know a couple good plays down there to get around to the 45 with you know 12 seconds left. And then Jalen Hurts throws another interception. Bad pass when he had Devontae Smith and Kenneth Gainwell open for shorter routes to make it, you know, probably a long field goal. But, you know, Jake Elliott's got the leg. He kicked a 61 or 59-yarder in Moraine a few weeks ago against Buffalo. So I had utter faith in him making the field goal. Um, but he throws the interception in Seattle wins. So a couple of big reasons why I was leaning Seattle in this game. Uh, not just only the history fact of, you know, seven in a row. Uh, that was eight in a row last night uh, for Seattle in that win. Um, but Matt Patricia taking over a defensive coordinator this week, uh, making a change in defensive coordinators or play calling, uh, you know, during the week before a game, I think it's hard to adjust. That was a factor of a Jalen Hurts uh, illness. I believe was a factor as well uh, through two interceptions. They've had a lot of turnovers. He's tied for the most turnovers now in the league at 17. I think that's pretty high for him as last year. Didn't see him turning the ball over a lot. Um, very uncharacteristic of him. Um, and then Darius Slay, um, their best corner, uh, having knee surgery was going to be out. So James Bradbury uh, was going to be elevated to that corner roll one. And he hasn't been good all year. Uh, and they took advantage of it on that last play. So Seattle won the game, uh, essentially saved their season, and made the NFC race a lot tighter. Um, but I thought this was, you know, overall a very even game. Uh, I thought Seattle, uh, you know, got dominated them a running attack. Uh, Philadelphia ran the ball. Officially, that's what they wanted. Uh, you know, Eagles fans wanted them to run the ball more. Uh, when you run for 4.7 yards per rush, that is pretty good. But what kills you is turnovers. And the two turnovers by um, Philly uh, really hurt this team. One on the comeback, and then one um, a few drives before that um, for the Eagles. So good win for the Seahawks. Uh, glad to have that one. Glad to pick another one. Wright was 11-5 and five this week. Um, you know, primetime um, got all the picks right as well, so... Always feel good about, you know, getting the primetime picks right, you know, picking the Raiders, um, picking the whole Saturday slate right, the Ravens, the, the Seahawks. Definitely feels good to have a lot of winning games. And it made this NFC race a lot tighter, as I said, because if Philadelphia wins, um, they practically clinch their division uh, we'll get a top two seed depending on what happens with the Niners because they'd have the same record even though the Niners have a tie break. Now with the Eagles' loss, it's essentially Niners have to lose two games in order for Dallas, Detroit, or Philly uh, to pass them for the one seed. It's highly unlikely. Um, 
even though they play the Ravens, they could see them losing. That's still not going to do enough. They'll have to lose another one to the Commanders or the Rams. I just don't see that happening. So you have that um, right there. Uh, now you have Dallas there at the two seed, and that's where things get interesting because uh, Dallas and Philly will most likely finish with the same conference record, same divisional record. Philadelphia would have the tie break in strength of schedule and strength of victory. But before they get to that tie break, I believe it's best record in common games. And Dallas might have the edge there because Dallas did beat Seattle earlier in the year and Philadelphia just lost to them. So we'll see. Of course, Dallas still has to play Miami, Detroit. Um, Philadelphia has an easier slate, so we'll see if Dallas even wins out. Um, But this does make things more interesting. And then Seattle is now right there with Minnesota, the Rams, New Orleans all at 7-7. and And guess what? Rams, Saints, Thursday night football. Loser will benefit the Seahawks. Seahawks have an easy slate coming up against the Titans, uh, which just lost to a C.J. Stroudless receiverless uh, Texan team. And then they have Steelers backup quarterback probably and then finish out against the Cardinals. So an easy schedule for them remaining as well to try to sneak in and backdoor into the playoffs this year. So very... Interesting, this NFC race just got very, very tight. So, talking about uh, switching now to the AFC and Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala. Um, Aaron Rodgers uh, was reported this past weekend that it looks like he'll be medically cleared um, to play uh, if he wants to. Um, So, Robert Sala... uh, came out yesterday in his Monday presser and said, and I'll just quote this, says, Aaron wants to play. Let's not confuse that one. That's why he's been working so hard to get back, his willingness to play, even if he's not 100%, is at the forefront of his mind. He wants to go, but until he's actually cleared, I'm not going to talk about it with anybody, end of quote. Now, I don't believe this. I believe he does want to play, um, but I don't believe he's that eager to go back out there now. Um, and risk it not being at 100% because uh, Aaron Rodgers was on with Pat McAfee a few weeks ago and said that you know it doesn't make sense for him to really return if there's no shot at making the playoffs. The Jets are officially eliminated from the playoffs, so Aaron Rodgers has until tomorrow to be activated or he'll be on injured reserve the rest of the season. Uh, so you want to take up that roster spot. Um, you know, I think it's great that you know, he's had this comeback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, but I don't buy what uh, Robert, uh, Robert Sala say. Now, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers out there. Um, just, you know, as I said earlier in the, or actually a couple of weeks ago, even if they are eliminated, I'd like to see him come out like a preseason and just play a series, uh, a couple drives, um, obviously not risk the whole game. Um, but especially like the game against the Commanders coming up, that's like the easiest one of the slate. Like I don't want to send them out against Miles Garrett and the Browns, um, or a Patriots team who could still want to muster up and beat you. So this week against the Commanders, it would have been interesting. Again, if they would have beat the, um, Dolphins, if that was a plan all along. But of course, they got shut out that game. Um, so. You have that there, but again, I don't believe Robert Sala in saying that Aaron Rodgers will be playing any time the rest of this year. And speaking of Robert Sala, um, there's been some 
reports, you know, conflicting. Some think that, you know, he's in a Stavis year because all the, you know, the injury that happened there. Rogers really derailed the season, derailed the team. And then it's been, you know, some people are reporting that his seat's actually hotter than what some people think it is. If I'm the Jets, I would keep Robert Sala one more year. One more year. Because if he can do well with a um, quarterback on his team that, you know, is a grown-up, that's not Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, Tim Boyle, and he does well, then it gives you confidence that if they have the guy, um, that, hey, this team can be really good because there are moments where their defense looks like one of the best defenses in the NFL. Of course, there are times when, like this past week, it looks like they kind of quit and give up. Defense doesn't look that elite against the Dolphins. I know there's a lot of talking um, going on, some taunting. Um, so we'll see. I don't think, again, Robert Sala should be fired for the most part. He's a defensive-minded coach. I think his defense is very good. Um, for the most part, it's the young team. I think he is the right guy for the job, the culture around there. And then, again, biggest hamstring has been the quarterback offensive line. Um, I believe those are points you can address the offensive line, especially in the draft this year. Um, do like Phil, or uh, like since he did, go get some offensive linemen like they did for Joe Burrow and go get a offensive lineman to protect Aaron Rodgers. Don't want to see him go down again. So, like that, wouldn't want to see Robert Soligan. Now there's another game I want to talk about from this weekend, actually two. First one was Bill's Cowboys. So I was a, so I've been a huge, you know, I don't don't know how to say this. I'm not a huge Cowboys fan, but I've been a huge believer of the Cowboys this year. I feel like this year is a little different. Um, They were very good, 10-3, and um, really lost a close game to the Eagles when the Eagles were better earlier in the year. And then again, Earlier in the year, they were dominated by the 49ers. Great team. Loss looks all right. And then the Cardinals with Joshua Dobbs. And Joshua Dobbs had, again, earlier in the year, was better than he was later in the year. So I can excuse this. And then they played the Bills this past weekend. And I said Bills were going to win. I said book it, lock it. I was telling my family, pick the Bills. Nobody listens to me. That's okay. Um, but I said Bills were the play here. They're at home playing well under a new offensive coordinator. Must win for them. They're going to be a desperate team. It's in Buffalo. Dallas is a little different on the road. I'm still a believer in the Cowboys. Even though they lost this game at 10-4, they were my pick to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Not win it, but represent. I still think there's a good chance they do that. Um, But there are some holes on this team uh, that came rearing back its head that we've seen in years past. One of those in particular is the rush defense. They allow 266 rushing yards. Now, that is Cowboys of the past. That can't happen, and it's happened in their losses where they allow a lot of rushing yards, but James Cook let him have a career game. 179 yards on 25 carries. That's 7.2 yards per carry. It's not like a breakaway 80-yard run where it flukes the stats. His longest run was 24 yards, so the 7.2 is pretty accurate to me. Um, Ty Johnson was able to get going. Nine carries, 54 yards. That's six. Again, longest was 11. Josh Allen... Had eight carries for 24 yards. He was like their worst rusher. So they were wanting to run the football. Josh Allen only had to throw 15 times. Didn't even get to 100 yards. Uh, threw for a touchdown. No interceptions. But it was on the run game. 
and I saw this off defensive line that doesn't like to run uh, or you know stop the run. Uh, the Dexter Lawrence says the Micah Parsons they just attacked Micah and said we know you don't like to do this, so it allowed uh, Dallas to not be able to rush a passer. That didn't help in this Buffalo defense, which I think has been improving since some of their early season injuries. Uh, got after Dak, confused him, had the interception, didn't play well. But I thought Buffalo was the right pick. Now, I think Buffalo is a very dangerous team, and I've been saying this. I think they're getting into the playoffs. I think they have a shot at winning the division, considering their next two games leading up to the Dolphins finale is much easier than the Dolphins' two games leading up to the Bills finale, whereas the Bills play Chargers backup quarterback, Patriots backup quarterback, uh, the Bills play at the Chargers. That'll be a home game for the Bills, considering how many Bills fans there were last year at that game. And Patriots are playing at the Bills. Again, I expect them to win, whereas the Dolphins are playing Cowboys, Ravens, then the Bills. They could lose their last three games of the season. Um, very, I think it's, there's more of a chance they lose their last three than win the last three out. Um, but the Bills, with James Cook now, uh, if he can continue running like that... Uh, I know a lot of people are like, I like this formula. I like it too. Of course, you're going to need Josh Allen to make a lot of plays in the playoffs because you're not going to be playing. Uh, you're going to be playing more wrapped up football against AFC teams who know you. So I believe, again, Josh Allen in those clutch moments in the postseason can deliver. Um, so this is a team nobody wants to see. And again, like I said, I think they can win the division. And it gets interesting because if Kansas City um, loses. One more game, could the Bills possibly jump up to the two seed? Again, I don't see the Chiefs doing that uh, with their remaining schedule. Um, play the Raiders, see the Chiefs winning that one. Uh, they play the Chargers to finish out the year. Um, and I forget who they have sandwiched in between uh, those two games. Um, but again, I don't see a loss in any of oh, the Bengals and with Jay Browning again. Probably not, so... This AFC race, NFC race, is looking very good. Bills just hammered the Cowboys. Then another game I was right on, another game. Ravens-Jags. I said Ravens in this one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, to me, I'm going to be the one to say it. I think Trevor Lawrence is a top 10 talent, but I think he is severely um, overrated. He is ninth. In passing yards, you know, sitting at, you know, 35-25. Nothing to scoff at. But he's only thrown for 18 touchdowns. Um, That's tied for 15th. That's as many as Kirk Cousins has had. And Kirk Cousins has been injured for half a year. So I don't like that. He's thrown for 10 interceptions. Don't like that ratio. He's completed only 66% of his passes. A pass rating of 90. So to me, he's just an average quarterback. He's... A long-haired Kirk Cousins, basically, at this point. I believe uh, there's a little more overratedness now. Again, against the Jags, or against the Ravens, there was a couple beautiful throws that he had. One which was actually dropped. But there are times where he looks really good. And there's times he looks really bad. The couple fumbles, the one phantom fumble where he just bobbles it and drops it. I mean, uh, to me, there's just too much inconsistency from Trevor Lawrence. To anoint him as this great top five quarterback. I like Trevor Lawrence. He's talented. um, But talent can only take you so far. Uh, You have to deliver on the football field with consistency, with results. There hasn't been enough of that with Trevor Lawrence. Whereas on the other hand, 
Uh, Lamar doesn't have these uh, eye-popping stats to maybe around the same as Trevor Lawrence passing the football. Um, Obviously, running, that helps him out a lot. Is um, He's ran the football quite a bit, Um, but he's more clutch. He delivers more. Um, He wins the games. He gets the results. He's consistent. Um, It's not one week thrown for 100 yards and two fumbles or 200 yards, two fumbles. And then the next week, 400 yards, three touchdowns. It's You get the consistent 200 to 250 yards, the rushing, the scramble every single time. Again, it's not eye-popping, but it's dangerous because of the balanced attack with the run. The Ravens, number one rushing attack in the NFL, again, which I'll comment when I make my top 10 teams. But they ran for 251 yards on against Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville just can't have that where they couldn't run the football 75 yards for them. Uh Baltimore did lose Keita Mitchell. I think that's a big loss because it was this trio of Keita Mitchell, uh, Mike Edwards, and you know Gus Edwards. Uh, I mean, my bad, not Mike Edwards, Justice Hill. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. I'm now losing Keita Mitchell, which I thought they were really ramping him up to be the number one. That hurts because his speed is so good. So we'll see how they recover from that. But Baltimore is in the driver's seat. Now, for the one seed, they would have to lose two of their last three games. Um, I could see Baltimore tripping up once, but I don't see them losing two of three, considering Lamar, 19-1 against NFC opponents, plays the Niners, and then their last two games are at home against the Dolphins and the Steelers. So, we'll see about that. So now, this brings me to the next segment. Top 10 teams in the NFL. Post-Week 15... Here we go. We are ranking the teams. Let's get into it. Let's start with number 10. Jacksonville Jaguars just suffered another loss. They have lost three in a row. They're at eight and six. Um, so what do I like about this team? Why are they at 10? Well, I still think Trevor Lawrence is really good. They got a ton of weapons. Zay Jones uh, dealing with his knee injury, but Calvin Ridley... I thought made a touchdown catch in the game. Again, it wasn't called, but every angle you look at it, kind of looks like it was a touchdown. So Calvin Ridley, I think, is really good. I think Travis Etienne is a great back, and when they feature him a lot and they're committed, it does work, but you have to stay committed to it. When you rush for 4.4 like they did against the Ravens, that's good, but you have to stay committed uh, to the run game. And then defensively, um, like Devin Lloyd, uh, corners underrated Darius Williams in this group. I believe they're still the favorites to win the division, even though they're all tied the AFC South at 8-6. and six. Still think uh, Jacksonville can get it done. Number 9, the Buffalo Bills. Is there any team hotter than the Buffalo Bills right now, even though they're only on a two-game winning streak? Uh, who have they beat? They have beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, and they have beat the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, two teams a lot of people like. So you've got to factor that in. Very good wins for them. Josh Allen playing great football. MVP level football. James Cook absolutely balling out. They're number five in point differential at plus, 120, plus 125. That's a big gap between them and Kansas City, who's only at 74. So they're closer you know, to the you know Dallas, who's at two, than Kansas City, which is one spot be- behind them. So very good team there in Buffalo. Um, what do they also have? You know, they have a top five offense in the NFL. 
that's also something that's important to look at. Number four in terms of total yards per game. And the defense just hovering outside of the top 10 mark, but I think has been improving lately. Number eight, Cleveland Browns. Still can't believe Cleveland Browns are this high at 9-5. and five. Uh, Just, again, to me, unbelievable what they were able to do with standing quarterback injuries. Joe Flacco coming off a couch, even though throwing interceptions. They're still able to get the job done. Amari Cooper, David Njoku has been a great target for Joe Flacco. The defense, uh, Miles Garrett in this team, still the number one defense in the NFL in terms of yards allowed. And it's a pretty wide gap between them and number two, uh, which is Baltimore. Number seven, the Kansas City Chiefs. Still got to respect the Chiefs here, and I think seven is an appropriate spot for them because they're six at point differential, nine and five, lead the AFC West. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, top five quarterback uh, this year in terms of the stats. You know, obviously the best quarterback if you're talking about the career of all these guys, but isolating this year. Still a top five quarterback in the league. They've dealt with a lot of drops. And then the defense, top five, number one in sacks and pressures. Uh, this is a great defense um, that's been let down, you know, really by the offense. And that's not something we're used to saying with the Kansas City Chiefs. Number six, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they did beat the um, Chiefs earlier in the year, which was my one and two matchup. I expect if they were to play again, I would honestly still pick the Eagles. Um, Eagles offense, um, you know, I think is still a very underrated unit. I think if Jalen Hurts gets right, this team can click with A.J. Brown. I know we talked about them not being committed enough. Um, I think the three losses is going to light a fire. And then they really have three tune-up games, two against the Giants and one against the Cardinals to end the year, where they can really figure and get things right. I don't expect them to lose another game uh, the rest of the year. And defensively is where things get awry for them is they're slowly dropping. But I think if Darius Slay gets healthy in time for the playoffs, uh, this team can still make a run and possibly get to the NFC Championship game. I don't know about Super Bowl uh, now. Like, I don't believe uh, Chiefs-Eagles can get to the Super Bowl. Um, but AFC-NFC Championship games, still very much well alive for them. Number five. The Detroit Lions. Uh, they are sitting here at five. Another impressive win for them against the Broncos. Got back on the right track. And this offense, again, has just been one of the better offenses all year long. It sits at the third best behind Miami and San Francisco. I'll take that considering the Miami-San Francisco offense uh, runs so evenly I mean, in terms of their uh, play calling and styling as is, is I've compared the Miami and San Francisco offense. But Detroit, you know, number three in yards, number five in points, this is a good team. And then once they click defensively, this defensive unit is really good. Like we, we saw it against the Broncos. Only thing is, it's been inconsistent. They can play like they did against the Broncos and be consistent. This is a team that could reach a Super Bowl with that potent offense. But now we get to the top four. And this top four to me is very interesting because these four teams play each other. My four and three play each other this week. And then my two and one play each other. So number four right now is Miami Dolphins. Best offense in the league. I thought they were on upset alert against the Jets with no Tyreek Hill. 
I was just saying how this offense is predicated on Tyreek Hill. You take him away, you shut down 50% of this offense. And was I wrong? Uh, Jalen Waddle was fin- uh, fantastic. Raheem Mostert was great. Uh, this offense is more of a Tyreek Hill. Maybe in game it looked a little different, adjusting. But Mike McDaniel, just can't say enough great things about him as a head coach. And what he's able to scheme up in game plan just works for this Miami team. So, Got to tip my hat off to them. Defense is playing better. Um, Mike McDaniel, uh, really good. Faith restored a little bit in the Miami Dolphins. But tough schedule to finish out. Number three, Dallas Cowboys, who are second in point differential this year. They have a top 10 offense, and they have a top 10 defense. That's what I like to see from Super Bowl teams. Balanced team, that's what they are. MVP candidate in Dak Prescott. Even though the odds took a hit, I'm not, you know, anti-Dak now or rolling against them. I think this is a team that can still reach the Super Bowl. It's a very talented team. And like I said, they played the, Cow- they played the Dolphins this week. A lot will be said about both of these teams. Now number two, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson, another MVP candidate who's been playing fantastic. Um, offense, top five offense in the league. Score a lot of points as well. Top five in both of those metrics in yards and in points. Number one rushing attack in the NFL. And again, this isn't a one that's particularly close. They're 164 yards per game running the football. Second is the Detroit Lions at 141. So 23 more yards. Very, very good. Um, Baltimore is just a fantastic team running the football. They're balanced um, in the defense as well. Second best defense in terms of yards and number one in terms of points allowed. So very stout unit up there in Baltimore. But this leads me to number one, San Francisco 49ers, the dominant team in the NFL, if you say so. Brock Purdy leading the league uh, in NFL MVP candidacy. I believe Christian McCaffrey should be the favorite uh, because of how great he has been with close to, I believe, 2,000 scrimmage yards. Uh, might be 1,800, but again, close to 2,000. 24 total touchdowns. He's just been insane. This is the number two offense in the NFL in terms of yards. Number three in terms of points. Just fantastic. And then the defense is still a top 10 unit. Um, still has got playmakers all over the field. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, to me, should be one of the favorites for coach of the year as well. Uh, this team is just really Really good, really. I mean, can't say enough about the San Francisco 49ers. That's why this, my one versus two of a Baltimore-San Francisco matchup, this Sunday, I mean, this is a Sunday that I just want to be in front of the, the TV all day. Last week wasn't, to me, one of those. I thought the late two windows. But this week coming up, I think, wow. Uh, and I shouldn't really say the Sunday. It's really the whole weekend. Why? Because you have the Dolphins-Cowboys on Sunday. You have the Ravens-Niners Monday night. I mean, Saints-Rams this Thursday. I mean, I can't wait to discuss more of those games tomorrow's podcast. But wanted to give you my top 10 NFL teams. There you have it. Jags, Bills, Browns, Chiefs, Eagles, Lions, Dolphins, Cowboys, Ravens, Niners. I believe my one through three are the teams that can represent in the Super Bowl. Um, I believe Bills are the dark horse wild card. We'll see where they end up. I'm high on the Bills. Haven't sold my stock on them yet. But this is going to be a great finish to NFL season. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye, everybody.